I'm Nick, and this is part of my story. Um, you know, I was very busy with sports growing up. I played hockey, I played golf in high school and college. And it seemed like as time went on, I became more serious in my sports. And I traveled and played golf in Kentucky. So I lost some of that connection with my family over those couple of years. I mean, I wasn't seeing them every day. It was kind of just me. And, you know, God was still there. I was in an FCA group there, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And uh, I just wanted to be, honestly, I just wanted to be a professional golfer. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to just do everything I could to be that. And I knew that college was going to be a, a great platform to get there. And when all of these things started happening in my life, it really put perspective in what I was doing and what I was really striving for. It seemed like God was calling me to just like pause and say, Nick, I just, I just thought about this. I was like, if I'm standing in front of God and I'm in heaven and he looks at my life, is any of it meaningful? Is anything going to transpire that you know, he blows away the ashes, what's gonna be there for me? And that's kind of where it started. You know, my life was kind of pointless to, it seemed like those personal ambitions didn't mean a whole lot when it came to my family and the struggles my dad was having, alcoholism. And obviously I knew that my parents weren't living together, but I didn't know they were actually divorced officially and that he was dealing with some problems and some issues and my mom you know having to deal with the divorce and try and protect us my brother and i from feeling the weight of really what was going on because at the time i mean we had no idea we thought everything was okay um you know he went to a rehab facility in california and it was christian based and he actually came out of that really great. And our relationship from there, after I got out of school, was probably as good as it ever had been. Um, he ended up eventually just going back to where he was and he started getting back into addiction. And I was just trying to be there for him. And uh, it wasn't enough, and ultimately he ended up taking his life three years ago. I love my father, and when this whole thing went, like the, he just changed into a different person. Like the alcoholism, the addiction, depression, bipolar, he wasn't the same person. And I know who he was before. It was just a different thing after. And I want to remember him for the, what, the way he was before. I know he loved me. He loved my brother. He loved my mother. And everyone that knew him knew that as well. This whole experience has opened my eyes to really understand, you know, what God is. Maybe it's different for someone else, but for me, it just just to be close to people and just to understand who they are and what they're going through 
and just know people better. Um, I think a lot of what happened in my life was uh, superficial. I'd be on my phone, I'd just be doing my thing, watching sports, playing golf, and the weeks would go by, all of a sudden a few years would go by, and maybe I don't really know my family as, I mean, as well as I'd like to know, or know other friends as well as I'd like to know them. And I think this experience has just, you know, made me value time more. You know, know that God was here to be with us. He was here to just walk with us in everything we're doing and just know who we are completely. Um, now I feel like God's opened my eyes to what He wants me to do. I'm going back to school to pursue a different career. My marriage is going strong almost three years now. Um, you know, kids hopefully in the future. Um, but I, I do look forward to everything that God has for me, and I know that it will exceed anything that I can imagine right now. Wow. What uh, a powerful story. It is, uh, it's so cool uh, to see how God is working in people's lives at, at Christ's community. Um, so glad that you are here. Uh, speaking of things that God is doing um, here, I wanted to take a, a moment and just highlight something really cool that just happened. Um, one of our values as a church is to love our community, to be for children and for refugees and for the emotionally broken. And we just want to love people well. So we have these serve days and all those, all that stuff. So, so a few weeks ago, we were contacted by someone claiming to be from the Greeley Tribune who told us that our church had won some award. And honestly, we initially thought this person was, it was a hoax. You know, someone was joking, but we explored it further and realized it actually was the truth. So every year, the Tribune does this best of Greeley thing where people vote on the best of different categories, the best Mexican restaurant or the best insurance agent or whatever. And the Tribune takes nominations for that category from the community. And then those with the most nominations, they get put on a list and then the community votes on that list. And I didn't even know that we were nominated, but, but we actually were. Christ Community um, Church was nominated for the best community activist award. And we won. We won. Um, so, yeah. So your, your community voted you the best community activist. I honestly, I can't think of an award that would make me more proud of you as a church than this one. It is not an award for the best building or teaching or best worship or whatever. No, it's an award recognizing you as a church for loving your community well. Way to go. Way to go. You guys are amazing. I am so thrilled to be a part of this church and to be pursuing together this vision that God has given us to impact our community with the love of Jesus. So, so way to go. Um, one other thing I just want to mention quickly, you heard earlier about on the announcements about this wholehearted series, wholeheartedness series starting September 8th and 9th. I am so excited about this series and us doing it together as a church in community. This series was birthed out of an encounter that I had with God in his word a couple years ago, and it dramatically changed my 
paradigm about how we grow spiritually and about why we get stuck in these ruts. So I'm just saying you do not want to miss this series. I truly believe that it's going to be life-changing for our church. There's more information in the newsletter. We're really encouraging all of our e-groups to go through this material um, together. Start an e-group, as you heard earlier. Man, just get in community, even just for that seven weeks. Uh, I really believe God is going to use this in a significant way. Okay, during the summer, uh, we have been looking at various psalms in the Bible and talking about how we can experience God in the midst of various difficulties and challenges of life. And so we've talked about how to experience God when we feel angry and when we feel anxious, when we feel attacked, when we feel depressed. Well, today, we're going to look at a psalm that addresses something that every one of us faces, and that is stress. Stress is defined as physical, mental, or emotional drain or tension. And so I'm guessing that most all of us here are right now, even in this season, experiencing things that cause tension, that create stress. There are job and school pressures. I mean, some of you students are experiencing the stress of syllabus shock, you know, overwhelmed by all the reading and the papers that you have to do in, in particular classes this semester. Others of us here, others of us are in the midst of relational stress, the tension that comes from conflict or divorce or expectations or disappointment. There are financial stresses. Will we have enough money to pay the bills? How will we manage this unexpected hospital expense? There are stresses that, that, that come from health concerns or issues. I mean, back pain, headaches, a foot injury, a diabetes diagnosis. I mean, those things are stressful. And there are stress, stresses from the political environment today. There are stresses that come from media overload. I mean, I'm stressed just listing the things that cause stress. I mean, it's bad. So, so the reality is we all experience significant levels of stress. And that stress, whether we realize it or not, it is impacting our lives in a significant way. It is robbing us of health, of sleep, of joy, of peace, of contentment. A few years ago, one of the biggest songs of the year was a song by 21 Pilots called Stressed Out. Um, and the lyrics describe this wishing for this time that they could go back to the good old days when they were just kids and they didn't have to stress about jobs and, and about money. I mean, that song resonated with a lot of people. I mean, don't we all long for a life in which we are free from being stressed out? Well, that's what we want to talk about today, because God doesn't want us living stress-filled lives. He wants us to live in this place of, of, of shalom, of whole-bodied peace that is not shackled by or destroyed by constant stress. So how do we do that? Well, well, God shows us in his word. Feel free to turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is without question the most beloved, most familiar, most quoted passage in, the, in all of the Bible. It is filled with amazing truths that have helped many of us in different experiences of life. But, but I want us to look at Psalm 23 through a little different lens today. I want us to look at it through the lens of stress. See, when I started to do that, as I was preparing this message, when I started looking at this psalm through the lens of stress, this psalm came alive to me in a new way. This psalm became an invitation to me and you to step off the exhausting treadmill of stress-filled living and into an experience of peace. 
I mean, if anyone lived a stressful life, David certainly fit in that category, right? I mean, he had family stresses. He had work-related stresses. He had enemy-related stresses. People were trying to kill him. And, and in the midst of all that, he wrote this psalm that describes the posture of his heart and life, a posture that can cause stress to roll off us like water off of a duck's back. So the foundational posture of a heart of this particular heart is so powerfully, the foundational posture of this heart is, is, is so powerfully described in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, th this is such a powerful understanding of who God is in David's life. David was a shepherd growing up. He knew the critically important role that shepherds play in the life of sheep. I mean, most sheep cannot survive without a shepherd. They will, if they wander off from the flock, it's not like they're going to learn how to live in the wild. No, they will die. A sheep's life is completely dependent upon the wisdom and the provision and the care of the shepherd. So David sees God through this lens. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I am completely dependent upon him, upon his wisdom, upon his care for me, upon his provision. Now, here's the question. Do you see God as your shepherd? Do you see God as your shepherd, as a God who cares for you and wants the best for you and has the wisdom to lead you and provide you for you and protect you? See, think about how huge this issue is in terms of how we deal with stress. See, one of the underlying themes of stress in our lives is this feeling that it's up to me. It's up to me. I've got to manage. I've got to fix. I've got to achieve. I've got to perform. I've got to control the situation. I'm the one carrying the weight of this. <clears throat> I'm the one in charge. I'm the one responsible. In order to get my needs met <clears throat> or my agenda accomplished, I've got to take charge. I mean, that's what causes so much stress in our lives, isn't it? That's what causes so much stress. And the question is, how are we perceiving God in that equation? How are we perceiving God in that equation? If we see God as a distant being who's too busy kind of managing the universe to really care about me, or if we see God as this law enforcement officer in the sky who's just kind of making sure that we keep the rules, if that's how we see God, no wonder we're stressed. No wonder we're stressed. Because it means all this stuff is on my shoulders. All these burdens, they're on your shoulders. It's up to me. It's up to you, right? God is too busy or he doesn't really care about my heart. I've got to manage all this on my own. But that's not how David viewed God. That's not how David viewed God. The Lord is my shepherd. God's got this. He is actively at work, caring for me, providing for me. He knows me. I have everything I need. Now, now we may think, oh, David had just this kind of unique, special relationship with God, but we don't have access to that. You know, we really don't, have, we're, we're not able to experience that. It was kind of something special David experienced. I mean, that's rubbish. That's rubbish. I mean, look, look at what Jesus said in John 10, verse 14. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. See, that's the relationship that Jesus has provided for us through his death and resurrection. A relationship where we are known and loved by God. 
a relationship where he is our good shepherd. That's what the gospel provides us. Same thing as David. The question is, that's what the gospel provides. The question is, are we living in this reality? Is this the posture of our heart toward God? And I would just say, when we're living in a constant state of stress, we're probably not believing this truth. When we are living in a constant state of stress, we are probably not believing this truth. We are not viewing God as our shepherd. But when we do choose to live in this reality, it opens a door for us to better deal with stress in our lives. God, our shepherd, provides us with resources to do just that. And this is why David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. See, when we view God as shepherd, we experience God's provision, which helps us deal with our stress. Okay, so what exactly does God, our shepherd, provide for us in the midst of the stresses of life? What does he provide? Well, David highlights four things, four things. First, rest. Rest. God, our shepherd, provides us rest. One of the underlying causes of stress in many of our lives is the busyness and pace of our lives. We are constantly doing. We are constantly running from this meeting to, to that event, to, to that activity. I mean, and, and we sort of, honestly, we sort of pride ourselves on our productivity, I mean, stress almost becomes this badge of honor, you know? Look at what I'm accomplishing. Look at how busy I am, right? It's almost this badge of honor. I was talking with a friend the other day, and after he, he just admitted that after a few very stress-filled, busy weeks at work, the week after, when he didn't have all that going on, he felt kind of guilty at work, you know? He felt like he just wasn't doing enough. So stress can kind of be this badge of honor. Now, now it's, it's really, really important to realize that our bodies were actually created by God, created to handle certain amounts of stress. Here's what I mean. When we're under stress, our body releases adrenaline. And adrenaline increases our alertness. It increases our energy. It increases our ability to focus in that particular situation. It's a God-given thing. Adrenaline's a God-given thing. When the stress is gone our bodies go back to normal. That's how God designed us. You know, it's like when you're passing, you're driving in a two-lane road and you're passing another car. And so you kind of look ahead and then you, you crank up, you hit the gas and our car's RPMs, you know, they get, go up significantly in order to, and we're going to pass this other vehicle. But after we pass them, we then go back to a normal speed, a normal pace. That's how our bodies respond to stress. Increase a stressful situation, increase in adre adrenaline, get the job done, then go back to normal. But here's the problem. That's not how many of us are living our lives. Instead of temporarily having our RPMs elevated for a particular situation, many of us are constantly living this way. So we are constantly living in this state of alert and activity, relying on caffeine to keep us going. And it's taking its toll on us. Having adrenaline continually working in our bodies is actually taking its toll on us. Just like cars are not designed to constantly be running at elevated RPMs, our bodies were not designed to live in this constant state of stress. So notice what God, our shepherd, provides us, offers us. Verse two, 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. See, in, in, in contrast to this life of constant hurry and constant productivity and busyness and constant activity, God offers us rest. Rest. You see, in David's day, the shepherd's job was to find green pastures for the sheep to eat grass and quiet water, still waters from which the, the sheep would drink. This was a very practical function that the shepherd would provide. But notice how David describes what God, our shepherd, does for us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. It is this beautiful picture of rest. God, our shepherd, urging us to slow down in order for our souls to be refreshed. See, that's the critical issue. Our addiction to busyness and productivity and activity and all of that, our addiction to that ultimately takes a toll, not only on our physical bodies, and I don't have time to go into all that, but having adrenaline constantly going in our body takes a toll on us physically. All insomnia, um, stomach issues, digestive, all sorts of things from that. But it not only takes a toll on us physically, it also takes a toll on our soul. You see, we are not machines cranking out stuff. We're not machines cranking out stuff. We have a soul. There is a spiritual part of us, a part that connects us to God, a wellspring within us from which come life and joy and peace and meaning. That place in us is our soul. It's our soul. Now, here's the deal, folks. We spend all sorts of focus and energy and time, you know, focusing on our physical bodies, right? What we eat, right? And, and we exercise and we work and we play. All these things focus on our physical bodies. But we often neglect our souls. We neglect our soul. Our pace of life and the business of life cause our soul to become depleted, to become empty. So I read somewhere that the Chinese character, you know, Chinese language uses characters, symbols for words. So the Chinese character for the word busyness in English, it's actually two symbols. Um, heart annihilation. That's busyness in Chinese. Heart annihilation. And that's exactly what constant busyness does to our soul. So what God wants us to do, what we most need, is what David describes. God, our shepherd, wants to refresh our soul. Our soul. He wants to pour life into our soul. How does he do that? Through rest. Through rest. Through genuine restorative rest. See, that's the key. Restorative rest. This is not simply about taking a vacation or taking a day off. I mean, some of our vacations, we need a vacation from the vacation we took because we were so busy and, oh, you know, all that stuff. So it's not just about taking a vacation, not just about taking a day off. It's about creating space in our lives where we slow down. We stop doing and we allow God to restore and refresh our soul. And so the question is, where is this happening in our lives? Where is this happening in our lives? Where, where are we saying yes to our shepherd's invitation to find rest for our souls? It could be as simple 
as choosing to take a walk in the middle of a busy afternoon. Everything's busy, blah, 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 you know, just choosing intentionally to go take a 10-minute walk. Or, or, or sitting on a park bench for just a few minutes and not scheduling our day. So every appointment is back to back to back to back to back. Choosing to create space and margin. It's like when we're busiest, that's when we need this the most. But that's so counterintuitive, right, to us. So the, the reality is we have to periodically and consistently unplug from the rat race. We have to unplug from our to-do lists, from our addiction to technology, or, 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 or else our souls will actually dry up. Our souls will dry up. So the question here is, when, when do you unplug from technology, from, from hurry, from your to-do lists? When do you and I unplug from those things in order to reflect and let our souls be restored and refreshed by our shepherd. When's that happening? No one's going to do that for us. When's that happening? A second de-stressor that David highlights that our shepherd provides is wisdom. Wisdom. Now, here, here's the deal. Do you, know, you, know what, you know what one of the biggest stressors in our lives is? Sin. Sin, not walking according to God's way. See, the stress of trying to keep our secret addiction hidden, the stress of deceiving people and sneaking around, the stress of damaged relationships. I mean, honestly, sin is stressful. It is stressful. It is a major stress producer in our lives. So in light of that, look at what David says next. Verse three, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. See, our shepherd is very willing to guide us along right paths. In other words, paths of wisdom and life and blessing. See, David knew that when a sheep got off the path for whatever reason, it often ended up getting briars and thorns caught in its wool. It would get stuck in thickets and all that stuff. David knew that. Right? He was a shepherd. He knew that sheep did that. And so the, the best path, David knew, the best path was the one the shepherd guided them in. It was always the best path. And David knew this is exactly how life works. It's not just with sheep. This is exactly how life works. Following our shepherd keeps us out of thickets and thorns. Choosing his path creates wholeness and health in our lives rather than destruction and loss. So let's just think for a moment. I won't ask you to share anything out loud or whatever, but just think for a moment of a sin that you struggle with, a sin that you struggle with. Maybe it's Facebook envy. Uh, maybe it's a shopping habit. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's a porn, um, a, a, the pull of porn. Maybe it's angry outbursts. Just think of a sin that you struggle with. And I want you to think about this, this question. As you thought about that sin, how much stress is that causing in your life? How much stress is that causing in your life? The stress of comparison and discontent. The stress of hiding things and deceiving other people. The stress of damaged relationships. The stress of guilt and shame. I mean, is it worth it? I'm asking myself the same thing. Is it worth it? Seriously, is it worth it? 
One of the best ways to reduce stress in our lives is to choose to follow our good shepherd. It's to choose to obey him, to walk in his right paths. Okay, third de-stressor that God our shepherd provides for us is his presence. His presence. Um, look at the next verse, which is probably the most familiar verse um, to many of us, um, apart from verse 1. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, David is talking about this universal experience of walking through a very dark and difficult place, right? A valley in our lives where things are not the way we would want them to be. That's what he's describing here. He's describing something all of us experience where we're not, re we're not rejoicing on the mountaintop. No, no, no. We, we, we are in the valley. We're in the valley, and it feels dark, and it feels oppressive. Maybe even the shadow of death, as other translations use. It's just a dark place. It's a difficult place, and it causes our hearts to fear. But David describes something in this valley, something that our shepherd provides, something that makes our response completely different to our valleys. Look again. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Did you notice the shift in person? Before, it was, the Lord's my shepherd, the Lord does this, the Lord does that. But now, David makes it personal. Right here, in this valley, you are with me. You are with me. See, David knows that's exactly what a good shepherd does. That's exactly what a good shepherd does. They stay with the sheep. They stay with the sheep, especially in those dark valleys, when the sh sheep are going to freak out or whatever, especially in the dark valleys. Now, here's the deal, folks. Nowhere, nowhere in the Bible are we told that God, just that people who are walking with God don't go through valleys. Nowhere in the Bible are we told that God protects us from any and every difficulty in, in valley. He never promises to do that to keep us out of valleys. He never promises to do that. What he does promise is that he is with us no matter how dark and deep the valley. He is with us no matter how stressful, no matter what stressful experiencing we've experienced, we find ourselves in. No matter how difficult and challenging it is, God is with us. God is with us in the valleys. David goes on to say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, a shepherd's rod and staff were a very important um, instrument that he used, he or she used, I guess, to protect his sheep. He could, he could beat back a wolf with his rod and staff, right? So he, could, he would protect the sheep with this. And so David speaks of God's ability to protect us, not from the valley, but in the valley, See, God doesn't protect us from valleys. What he does is protect us in the valley. See, valleys will happen to all of us. And those valleys often produce huge amounts of stress. They do. They produce huge amounts of stress. But David wants us to remember that our shepherd is with us and is protecting us from the enemy's attempts to destroy us in the valley, to discourage us and, and destroy us in the valley. That's what God's protecting us here from. So in, in, in the words of David here, this reality brings comfort. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
And that got me thinking, that word comfort got me thinking, what do we look to for comfort when we're stressed? What do we look to for comfort in the midst of our valleys, in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of these seasons where we're stressed out? What do we look to for comfort? Potato chips, uh, M&Ms, Oreos, uh, maybe escaping into the world of video games or social media or Netflix or whatever. I, I just wonder why is it, I wonder why it is so hard for us to turn to Jesus for comfort when we feel stressed. Why is it so hard? for us to turn to Jesus for comfort when we feel stressed. I mean, what, what, what would it look like to truly look to him as our good shepherd when we feel overwhelmed by life's challenges and difficulties? When, when we're walking through a difficult valley, what would it look like for us to find comfort in his presence rather than trying to find it in all these other things? His presence is the third thing he provides, this de-stressor he provides. One other, one final de-stressor that David articulates in this passage, and, and something that David knew that God, his shepherd, would always provide for him. I mean, it's found in this one word that David often used. I've, used, I've mentioned a couple times this summer in this teaching series. He often used this word in many of his psalms. It's the Hebrew word hesed. Has said, and, and, and he uses it here in verse 6 of this psalm. So here, here, let me read this. He says, Surely your goodness and has said, love, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, this particular word has said, it can be translated mercy. Some of you have memorized that, the inversion of, you know, surely your goodness and, and mercy will follow me. Others translate it love like the NIV does, but it actually, the word actually is more than that. And honestly, English doesn't have one single word that captures this word. We just don't. In English, we don't have one single word that captures it. So perhaps if I used a phrase, the best English phrase to capture the essence of this amazing word would be, would be a loyal, lavish love. It is a loyal and lavish love. This word speaks of a committed, gracious extravagant, faithful love. And it's hard to find words to describe this reality, which is why David begins using word pictures. He uses word pictures. He uses vivid images in order to help us understand and live in this hesed. So he gives us word pictures. So look at what he says. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Now the metaphor, if you notice here, the metaphor in this psalm actually shifts in this verse from God the shepherd to God the banquet host. And we are guests at his banquet. So David describes God as being this lavish, generous, gracious host. How? Well, for one thing, by preparing a banquet feast for you and me in the presence of our enemies. In the presence of those who wish us harm, God generously pours out blessing and provision. 
So that's a part of this picture. He also mentions, you anoint my head with oil. See, apparently, even David was into essential oils, I guess. But um, here, in, in, in this culture, people, they, they had often traveled a great distance to get to a, a banquet, to get to an occasion. They had traveled a long way to get to this person's home on dusty roads. And so it was the duty and obligation and the, the delight of the host to welcome people into his or her home by, by, by anointing them with this scented, perfumed oil just to kind of freshen up, right? The fragrance then was a blessing to everyone. So it was a blessing to anoint people with oil when they are coming to your banquet. Then David says, my cup overflows. I mean, I think you can see this in your mind, right? Can you see this in your mind? This gracious host who is always making sure that your wine glass is full. They are always, you, you never are without enough to drink, right? That's the kind of host that this is describing, See, David is painting this picture of our God, our God being an incredibly gracious and generous host, abundantly providing everything we need. And again, the question, do you see God in this way? Do you see God in this way? Do we live in a heart posture like David had? David lived in this reality. He just lived in this reality that God was and is David's loving shepherd and gracious host. That God was for him always. God was for him always. See, what would it look like for you and me to live in this reality? What would it look like for you and me to be absolutely convinced of this truth that God is for us, that he is looking for ways to be generous and gracious to us. Now, I love how Paul describes this in Romans 8, because we think, oh, that's just an Old Testament principle. No, 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 let's look at this from the New Testament. Look at how Paul describes this in Romans 8 through the lens of the gospel, which David didn't have yet, right? He didn't have the gospel. We do. So we have this, we have a, a fuller perspective, honestly. And, and look at what Paul describes and see how it powerfully describes God as our shepherd, what, our, what he does, our shepherd. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? What an amazing shepherd our God is. He is for us. And how do we know that, Paul says? It's because he did not spare his only son, but instead he gave him up for us all. Jesus voluntarily gave his life for us on the cross. That's the kind of God he is. That's the kind of God he is, an amazing and loving shepherd, an incredibly gracious host, a God of loving kindness and extravagant generosity. Again, the question... How would our stress level be impacted if we actually viewed God in this way? How would our stress level be impacted if we viewed God the way David and Paul viewed God? 
Now, what I, what I love about this psalm, when viewed through the lens of stress, is that it is not this pithy sort of self-help strategy, you know, giving us four steps to follow in order to deal with stress. No, no, no. It offers us so much more than principles. It offers us a person. It offers us a person, a picture of our incredible God. When, when our hearts are captured by this image of God truly being our loving shepherd, it can radically impact our lives. Radically. I mean, this past week was a very stressful week for me personally. Um, in fact, Raylene asked me a couple days ago, so what are, you, what are you teaching on this weekend? Stress. And she looked at me like, oh, really? That's interesting timing. You gave me one of those looks, right? I mean, even preparing this message was stressful as I wrestled with how to best teach on this passage that most everyone knows and all that stuff. I mean, things weren't coming together as easily as I as hoped. And I just felt the Lord in the midst of all of that. I felt the Lord gently confronting me with this irony. Alan, you can memorize this psalm and study this psalm, and you can teach on this psalm, but the far more important question for you is this. Are you willing to live this psalm? Are you willing to posture your heart the way David did, truly believing that I am for you? that I am your loving shepherd and generous host. See, the reality was and is I had a choice all week long. I mean, I had a choice. Would I continue to rush here and there, trying to get things done, you know, carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders? Would I continue to do that? Or would I choose to realize I need a shepherd? I need a shepherd. And I'm going to let God restore my soul and speak his wisdom into my life. I'm going to choose to rely upon his presence in my valley. And I'm going to choose to remember that he is this amazingly generous host who is eager to keep my cup overflowing. <laughs> to be honest, totally honest here, there are a lot of times I choose stress. There are a lot of times I choose stress. There's kind of an adrenaline thing. You can get, I can get addicted to that. Uh, just more to do, just check off that. I mean, I can get addicted. I know that. There are times that I choose stress. There are times I choose to not believe that God is my shepherd. There are many times I choose to live as if it all depends on me. But here's the deal. I can do that for a while. I really can. I've lived it. I, I can do that for a while. But eventually, eventually, I hit a wall of some sort. I kind of get tired of being tired, tired of being cranky, tired of being critical and depleted and unhappy. And in that place, the 23rd Psalm is waiting to guide me and you into rest and a right path, into the joy of God's presence, into the satisfaction of his banquet table. That invitation is offered to all of us every moment of every day. It's offered to all of us every moment of every day. Will we say yes to his invitation? Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. to take these truths that we're hearing in our head and to just press them into our heart. 
So as we, I want to encourage us, we've kind of gear our whole service towards responding to the word. So we're going to just have some moments of prayer here. I want to guide you in a prayer response, and then we're going to continue to respond with worship. But, but I want to just in this space for a couple moments here in this space, I just want to ask you and just prayerfully think about this. How, how do you see God? Is he too busy for you? Is he focused only on whether you're keeping the rules? Is that how you see him? Or do you see him as your shepherd? It's a really important question. So God, would you open our eyes and our hearts to see you as shepherd, not as rule keeper, law enforcement officer, whatever, someone who's too busy for us. Just help us see you as you really are, as our good shepherd. Now, as you're thinking about that, as you're kind of just kind of focusing in on God as your shepherd, I want you to think about an area of stress in your life right now, something that's causing you stress. So what would it look like in that area of stress to actually see God as your shepherd? What is Jesus inviting you into? Just take a moment and just talk to him in the quiet of your heart. What is he inviting you into in that area of stress? What is he wanting to provide? God, we want to say yes to whatever you're inviting us into. We, we don't want to live stress-filled lives. We, we want to live in a full awareness of you as our shepherd. And so I pray for that for each one of us. And I want to pray too. There may be some of you here and, and, and maybe you're new to this whole church thing. Um, this whole relationship with God thing. I just want to, I want to have a simple opportunity here for you. If you've never done this to say yes to Jesus, this is not about following rules and going to church. It's about a relationship with Jesus. He died on the cross for you and you can experience forgiveness of sins. And he actually comes to live in you forever when you place your trust in him. And so I just want to give an opportunity right now for anyone who's not certain they've ever done that or you know you need to do that, would you just invite you to pray along with me where you can enter into this relationship with God as your shepherd, as your savior. So pray along with me in the silence of your heart. Dear God, I acknowledge that I am a, a sheep that's wandering, doing my own thing, and that separates me from you. My sin separates me from you. But I don't want to be separated from you. 
I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And I choose right now to place my trust in you, Jesus. Forgive my sin and come live in me through the presence of your Holy Spirit. Change me from the inside out through the power of your said, your loyal, lavish love. So God, I pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. I pray that they would grow in their relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for the amazing God you are. And thank you for this opportunity we have right now to, to engage with you in worship as we reflect upon and sing about these amazing truths of you being our shepherd. So set us free to do that. Set us free to do that. Why don't we stand? If you want to sit down at some point, that's totally cool, but let's begin standing. And, and, and we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Set us free to worship you, Jesus. We love you, God.